on today's success story, Overcoming Plantar Fasciitis with Mark Mulray. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. I said this before, but when I put out there that I was looking for success stories, I did have a lot of people come to me with proximal hamstring tendinopathy and a lot of people come to me with plantar fasciitis. And they've talked about their success and I say, great, it'd be great to have on the podcast, but I try not to batch too many similar conditions together. And I know we have had plantar fasciitis in the past, talking with Caroline but I do think that everyone's different. Everyone has different success stories. They are certain, like there's multiple things that will help someone that won't help another person. So I do think having the same condition, but different experiences can be very beneficial. And the same lessons that someone might learn can carry over to another runner who might have a different condition. So what Mark has learned today in the lessons that he teaches and um, what has produced his success might help you with you, your hip pain or Achilles pain or foot pain. Um, speaking of foot pain, a bit of an update, because last time I spoke, it was with Pat on our midfoot pain episode. Uh, I do mention in today's episode with Mark how I'm currently going with my walk-run schedule and how my foot's feeling. Um, it was actually probably about two weeks ago that I recorded my session with Mark. So I'll give you an update now. Um, I have progressed. It's going really well. I think I have about two weeks or three weeks absolutely symptom-free, which is excellent. I'm very happy. I've slowly gone from a walk-run program, sometimes going, well, I started off doing a 30-second walk, uh, 30-second run with a two-minute walk and then slowly built up to a one minute run, two minute walk. And following symptoms along the way, I did use some more supportive shoes, you could say. Um, But since then have progressed to doing a total of uh, what was 15 minutes of running time, then progressed to what was 20 minutes of total running time with a bit of walking in between. And just today I have ran Uh, 6Ks, totally symptom-free, with walking for a couple of minutes every K, but all in all was 30 minutes of runtime, zero symptoms, and like I said, extremely happy. 
Um, I thought I might highlight my progression of strengthening that I mentioned in um, my episode with Pat, but just to try and hone in on my thought process. So to try and bridge the gap from like walking pain-free to running, I needed to progress my load tolerance in order to in give myself enough confidence that I could tolerate running. And so I went from walking, walking barefoot, uh, to doing calf raises or doing like a lot of balance work, a lot of eccentric, oh, eccentric muscle contractions. So using the little muscles in the feet, then progressed to double leg calf raises, then progressed to single leg calf raises, then progressed to double leg jumping, which was in the form of skipping, then progressed to single leg jumping, then progressed into jogging. And so that was my thought process of how I could continuously attempt some sort of loading, see how it went, and then if it was successful, progress to the next stage. And it was funny that how I overcame this injury was just going back to basics and just slowly putting myself through a progressive loading program. And then when it got to my ability to start running, I started a very gentle walk-run program until I'm at where I'm at today, which is the similar process that I do for almost every injury. And so bear that in mind, it did have its complications and a suspected stress fracture. You always need to treat things a bit differently. Um, but just so I keep you updated on that, it has been a tremendous success, just a lot of patience. Um, but practice, implementing the right practices um, does lead to successful outcomes. So today we have Mark, um, who's had plantar fasciitis for several months and is a different story to Caroline's. His success um, was stemmed off some different lessons. And I think um, it, you'll go away with a lot of takeaways. He was a blast to interview. I'm excited to bring you this one. Let's dive in. Oh, before we get started, I almost forgot and had to hit record again. Um, our ratings and reviews, and I've been asking people to do so. Thank you very much to everyone who's participated. In the last couple of days or so, we've got one in from Campbell, who has given five stars and said, informative, relevant, and detailed. Brody does a great job seeking out interesting topics and guests who are able to discuss and explain information that is relevant and practical to a wide range of runners, and it's very helpful. So thanks, Campbell, for doing that. Um, if you are an Apple user or can get access to an Apple device, an iPhone or something, um, head to Apple Podcasts, search the podcast name, scroll down, it'll help uh, out tremendously to leave a rating and review, and I'll read it out on the podcast. So um, I gave you a bit of a false start, um, but now let's dive in. Mark, welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast. How are you today? Great, Brody. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Always always excited to jump on and hear some success stories and yours sounds um, very intriguing. I'm curious to just dive in, but before we get into the condition specifically, how about uh, you just introduce yourself, where you're from, and uh, you've got a bit of a interesting education background as well. So let's dive into that. Absolutely. Sure. My name is Mark Mulray. I am, um, I'm originally from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, we're actually in the middle of a snowstorm right now. So we've had uh, about a foot of snow last week and then another oh. six or eight inches overnight. So <laughs> we're having, having a good time making snowmen and taking the kids sledding. Um, so a little bit about myself. I'm um, professionally, I'm in corporate health and wellness, uh, but I've also been a runner for over 20 years. So I've done a little bit of everything when it comes to health and wellness and fitness. Um, I'm not a physio by um, 
by trade, but I'm more on the behavioral side of things. So I can, you know, just a little bit about my background there might provide a little bit of context for your listeners. I'm, um, you know, my background is, is I have a master's in exercise and sports psychology where I specialize in adherence to exercise. Cool. Um, and then also worked in uh, and have been working in corporate wellness. So mostly incentive programs, helping um, employer groups and our clients lower their healthcare costs through a number of different programming, health coaching. Um, I've also run some corporate fitness clubs. Um, Comcast would be a, a Fortune 50 company based out of Philadelphia. I ran their, their fitness club for um, a few years. Um, so cool. I also have an MBA in healthcare administration. So working in healthcare now. Wow. And you said that you've got a history of running. What sort of um, distances do you prefer? What sort of terrain? Yeah, I've uh, run everything from 5Ks all the way up to 100 mile ultra. Um, I'm also um, done some triathlons. So I've, I'm right now training for an Ironman uh, this coming September. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can talk a little bit about that. I think where I started doing triathlons was um, with my plantar fasciitis. <laughs> okay. Well, um, we'll definitely cover that. But how about we backpedal and say, um, first of all, how long ago was it when you first started getting these symptoms? The first time I, it cropped up on me was probably 2008 or 2009. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time I was increasing my mileage and I was always pushing, pushing the envelope on my, on, you know, what kind of speed I was doing. So that's the first time it sort of the plantar fasciitis reared its ugly head. And what was your level of fitness at that stage? You said that you were maybe ramping up things a bit too much. Were you preparing for something? I was, you know, I don't race a ton. I mean, I know people, I know runners who race every weekend. It's, I've never done that. I usually five or six races a year spread out. Um, usually have an A race in, in the, in the spring and an A race in the fall. I like to train for, um, in Philadelphia, we have one of the largest and best, uh, 10 mile races in the country. Um, prior to 2020 up to 40,000 runners, they built it up to, and they've been doing it for I don't know, 40 plus years now, the, the broad street run. So usually that, that would be the A race in the first Sunday of May. We, we run a lot of times. And then in the fall, usually a marathon or half marathon or something similar, depending on what's, what's going on. Okay. Being a past plantar fasciitis sufferer as well, and seeing a lot of people with plantar fasciitis, it is a condition that can very much creep up on you. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like, you don't know you have it until you've had it for six weeks. And then you're like, Oh, okay. I've had it for um, so long because, and you don't realize it until it's a couple of months down the track. And you're like, Oh damn, maybe I should get this sorted out. Was your initial experience in having those initial symptoms quite similar or what was your experience like? Yeah, I think it hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, I, I recall waking up one day with it and, and it was after I, a particularly hard treadmill workout. Um, I don't, I don't prefer the treadmill, but this, I I recall doing some, um, doing some interval training on the treadmill at that time. And, um, looking backward now, I'm able to see that, you know, to be able to compensate for that increased speed, I was heel striking and I was doing it a lot harder and more, um, you know, working on those treadmill speed intervals. Um, yeah. So you you didn't notice symptoms during the run or later on after that, but you just had a heavy workout on the treadmill, like pounding probably a bit harder than what your body's used to. And then it was mm-hmm. the next morning that you woke up and you're like, Oh geez, my foot's really sore. Exactly. 
okay. more like, oh, geez, I can't take a step. It's like, you know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have had it um, on the on the the harder ends. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like needles. Sure. Yeah. Shooting straight in your foot. Okay. Um, and I guess you identified the cause straight away with something so acute, something so abrupt. So that's quite mm-hmm. nice. But did you uh, know it was plantar fasciitis straight away or did you decide to wait for a couple of days before getting a diagnosis? Well, immediately I went, I went to work and saying, what's going on here? This is not, I mean, as runners, we're usually pretty aware of what, you know, our body and what's going on. So if we've, once we start experiencing pain, um, that we haven't had before it's let's let's go and see what 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 is this all about so i've done did a little bit of research and it's it did sound like classic yeah like classic case of it right were you experiencing the pain <clears throat> like it's very characteristically like underneath the heel directly like underneath the heel not necessarily like the arch of the foot um was that the location of your symptoms mine was probably a little bit forward of the of the heel yeah. closer to the midfoot, but yeah. And the whole, the whole fascia was, was really, um, tight and, mm. and, um, you know, swollen. And it almost seems like a bit of a, a traumatic, um, incidence where it, it's almost like the, the thud and the pounding on the treadmill, um, along with the hard efforts sort of just mm-hmm. sparked like a traumatic sort of injury rather than what might happen with other, plantar fasciitis or other tendinopathies where it's just a slow gradual build of you just overdoing things slowly mm-hmm. day by day and lack of recovery and then symptoms slowly creep up it sounds just like a very abrupt sort of yeah traumatic experience absolutely. you could say absolutely now at that time in my late 20s i still thought everyone had to be a hard run yeah i still hadn't you know probably right around then was when you know american runner ryan hall marathon or i read an article about him doing some of his training sessions um in in california at you know a 10 or 11 minute pace and i said well, what mm-hmm. am i doing here trying to push push the pace on every single run no matter how you know what the distance was i need to take it just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know i have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge this is one email per day for five days learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Take a step back and, and be okay with running slow races or, or runs or training runs on other surfaces. And, and I started to do that. Yeah. I think we've talked multiple times on this podcast about the ability to generate some sort of um, a well-designed structure plan. You can't always just be doing hard efforts because that's a Mm -hmm. surefire way of um, increasing the risk of injury. And in reality, the bulk of your running should be at really low intensities so that Mm -hmm. you're recovered enough and have a bigger base enough to when it comes to that top tier hard efforts, you're actually recovered and got a good baseline fitness to, to kind of manage that. Um, I've had runners in the past believe that if you're not hitting the ground hard, then you're not really running. And so that like a lot of people have tried um, actually hitting the concrete harder, physically trying to drop their foot harder because that's what they think running is. When Mm. in fact, a lot of these beliefs that we create or a lot of these runners that we see like competing at really high amounts, um, we try and to, we try to match that and we try and think that will get results. But in reality, it's probably just not the case. (laughs) It's not, it's not. And I, I, I can honestly say that I PR at every distance since I've been able to take a step back and, 
there you go do some of those easier efforts yeah. yeah cool um it's always good to have someone talk and say that okay now that i've taken a step back and did lower intensity but probably bigger mileage because you're able to handle that at lower intensities mm-hmm. that the body actually starts um performing at better um better distances that's good to know absolutely with your symptoms so you've woken up yeah it's swollen sore um tough to walk what what did you try? Like you've gone to Google, you said, okay, something's wrong here. You've done your research. What was the initial treatments like? Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, the first thing I do, and I'm, I'm pretty conservative when I have an injury, let me back it up. And really, um, if I can, if you can't run pain-free, then in my mind, you shouldn't be running. You know, you should, you should, if you need another week or two or three or whatever it may be, back it up and you should be able to run pain-free um, before you, you go and you push, you push it. So, um, I did take some time off from running. Luckily at the time I was working in a club where I could do fitness classes and I lifted weights still. And I had other outlets. I could do yoga. Um, and that's sort of where I started picking up cycling at the time as well. Okay. And did you find any immediate treatment effective? Like once you stopped the running, did symptoms start settling down? They settled down, but I would take a week or two and then go out for an easy run. Maybe let's do a mile, really slow pace, and it would act back up. So okay. you know, that, you know, and then I would just immediately shut it down. And that is really defeating mentally um, when you realize, okay, I'm not through the woods yet. I might not have had any pain, but, um, you know, we're still not done yet here. It's going to be okay. a long t- longer term injury. With the... Um... Did you actually seek any professional help? Did you go and see any health professionals for treatment or guidance? Well, I have a physical therapist in the family, so I did have conversations with her. Um, I did not, you know, have an office visit for it yeah. per se. But, yeah, I, I, you know, I had a, net, a strong network of runners at the time, running club that I was running with, a lot of other people that I could lean on. Um, and the fact that it was a classic case or – you know, plantar fasciitis, I, I really felt um, that I could sort of uh, manage it myself as long as it was a, you know, I was doing it conservatively and, and you know, really took care of the pain. I, I wasn't, I'm not the type of person who says, well, let's just take a, take some Motrin or Advil and, and go out for a run and, and deal with it later. Because I, yeah. I, you know, for me, it's always the long term. Like I want to be able to do this when I'm 70, 80, 90 years old. Yeah. Would it be fair to say that most of your management in those initial days were okay, backing off the running and wait for symptoms to settle before resuming. But in the meantime, while you are taking that time off running, you can still maintain your fitness with, like Mm -hmm. you said, weights, yoga, just staying in the gym and staying, keeping moving, staying physically active. um, And then just wait for it to sort itself out and then just start a gradual run for gradual return to running after that. Would that be fair to say? It is. I did try some modalities. I tried um, the orthotics. Mm-hmm. I didn't like them. They didn't, they didn't help. I didn't feel they helped me any. felt like I was always coming out of the shoe. Having uh, something extra you, in so there. So when you say you don't think the orthotics were working, were they not fitting correctly or did it just feel uncomfortable? Yeah, it just didn't feel right. I mean, I feel like it's masking the problem to some degree. If we're going to have, especially an off the shelf version where it's just patting my heel, mm-hmm. um, that's not necessarily doing, doing many favors in the wrong run. I'm still heel striking. Yeah. Um, I'm still going to get pain out of it. Okay. Um, any other uh, modalities, any other like 
passive treatments, any active treatments? Well, at the time, what I really loved is I had a lot of different things under my desk. I had a, a, a Snapple bottle, so a iced tea bottle, which I don't know. I don't think they're even anything is glass anymore. They were they're plastic now, but they were glass at the time when you could freeze that and, and it was nice and perfectly round. So just rolling my arch on that really helped. Mm -hmm. um, I also had other like a golf ball, a racquetball, a tennis ball, things that had different um, different sizes and, and different, um, you know, uh, hard factors, hardness factors to them that I could roll it in circles. I can roll back and forth. And that, that really did help. Okay. Do you think it helped uh, in the moment, short-term and also long-term, like day by day, week by week? Um, short-term to release some of the, some of that pressure and the, you know, because it, it did get really tight at times. Um, but then also foam rolling, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's, it's, a lot of times we would have people and we would talk with them and they would say, well, my knees are bothering me. And then come to realize they have really tight hamstrings or really tight calves. It's not necessarily their knees. It's, the, it's what they're doing to them. Okay. Or they're sure. running in their 40 pounds overweight and they, they, you know, they're really putting a ton of stress on their knees. Yep. Okay. Um, let's get a, I guess, a step back and have a look at how long this thing kind of lasted um, mm -hmm. time frame wise. Um, how long were you persisting with this time off running and trying to set, settle it down and sort it all out? Um, what are we looking at time frame wise? Yeah. On and off for about six months. Okay. I was not and in running those six regularly. Months, okay. So you've had several attempts back at running to see how it goes throughout that six months, but it still was flaring up. And so um, you'd say, yeah, those six months, you didn't really have any successful returns back to running. That's right. Okay. And exactly. at its worst, what were symptoms like throughout that six months? At its worst, I was, even though I wasn't running, I was waking up with the pain in, in, in my foot. And the first few steps when I got out of bed were really difficult yeah. with the pain. So um, that was tough. How severe was pain and how long did it last for? I would say pain went from eight to eight to a 10. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sometimes we're like, you can't even, it feels like you can't even take a step until you have some like slippers or something underneath your arch. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can get a couple steps in and stretch it out. Um, okay. That was on and off. And that, I mean, the other tough part about this is it comes on quickly and it's not as predictable. It's not like I twisted my ankle on a run and sprained it. And now, you know, I'm just going to wait until I can do a little, little, um, you know, therapy on it and it'll, it'll gradually get better. There's, there didn't seem to be a rhyme or reason as to when it would pop up, how bad it would be. And that's tough. So, you know, I learned a long time ago when it came down to, um, you know, charting my runs, I would also um, keep track of my pain levels. So if I have a, a little niggling pain in my knee or my hip or somewhere else, I that would typically go on my training log. Okay. So I can keep an eye on that. And try and, to find some, like if you're tracking your symptoms, trying to find some predictability, trying to find some common denominator of why when you wake up and it's really sore, what could have been the, the case when you look back on it two or three days, which is very sensible. I get my clients exactly. to do that all the time. Exactly. I learned that. I, I mean, just as, as an aside, um, when I first started running, I had some really bad stomach issues. And I asked um, at the time mentor I had um, about it. And he said, why don't you try charting everything as much as you can? Yeah. And I did. And I realized, wow, I can't run with if I've, or I can't have a hard run or a run in the heat 
if if it's been within three hours of a meal the yeah. food's just not digested yet and i get some really bad stomach pains um and i know that from this day i know like i have to if i know i'm gonna run okay lunch is at 12 i can't run until at least three okay when you were looking at like rolling out the the with the bottle and the um, golf ball and you tried the orthotics and all that sort of stuff was this just going off advice from the pt and the family or your um, previous experience with um, like just in the health professional kind of realm or were you seeking advice elsewhere i would say a little bit of everything i mean i was out there what has helped other people because it seemed like everything you know the orthotics weren't helping me the rest wasn't necessarily helping um i know that the the rolling it out made it feel better i don't necessarily know if it was helping long term with um would would i be able to run long term but i know it made it feel better when while i was rolling it out and it Mm -hmm. made it feel like it was um you know helping you know just work those work those fibrous tissue yeah Okay. Were you being discouraged? Were you starting to lose fitness? Were you starting to lose um, like hope that this was getting better? Because, you know, once it gets to three months, four months, five months, uh, it's kind of the time frame when people start to dwell on it a little bit and it starts to become quite um, impactful on your everyday life. And uh, were you uh, in positive spirits? Were you starting to get doubts? What was the, the mental aspect like? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's really tough as a runner, especially if you identify, if that's part of your identity mm-hmm. and you just, and you know, when you wake up, you're a runner and, and, and you are not running. I mean, it feels like you're, it's never going to, you're never going to get out of that. You that you have that injury that keeps you from running. So I, I always made it a point to have other physical outlets, whether it be yoga class or whether it be lifting weights that I could lean back on, um, Prior to running, I guess I started running about 22, 23 years ago. Prior to running, I was, I would do, I was bodybuilding like when I was in high school. Um, and then you would have injuries. You'd have like, Hey, my pec or this or that I, I, I pulled, um, where I, you know, for a week I couldn't do anything or two weeks on. So you, you found ways to work around it. And the same thing with running, you, you know, you find ways to work around injuries so that you can still be physically active, um, even through those injuries. And that's where I picked up cycling, um, and then I said to myself, well, if, you know, I have two or three sports down for triathlon, I can just go and teach myself how to swim or try to learn that's how right. to swim. And, <laughs> and then once I'm back to running, I'll be able to do a try. And that's sort of how I got into tries. Well, that's good as well, because you've already got the experience of running. You've already kind of, I guess, adapted or built a body for a runner. So all you need to do is wait for this to recover, tick off the, spend this time working on your cycling and working on your swimming. And then you're a triathlete, like as soon as you're back to running, that's, that's right. Awesome. Right. And I think having those outlets is very important for recovery because it's helping you physically because you're still active. Um, It's still like releasing endorphins. So you actually feel good. So it's helping you mentally as well. But there's something to be said when it comes to recovery from an injury and still exercising and still getting your level of fitness. It does Mm -hmm. tremendous things, um, like I said, mentally and physically. So that's really good. Um, Okay. I speaking from a physio knowing the research around plantar fasciitis and what I get my clients to do, I do understand if people go onto Facebook groups and say, what's worked for you. And you'll just get a range of things. Like mm-hmm. sometimes orthotics works. It's sometimes orthotics is the, the answer for someone. All they've done mm-hmm. is put in orthotics and then they're better. Others have just um, had dry needling or shockwave. And that's just 
totally cured them. Others have had other experiences, but then you also get the same amount of people that it hasn't worked for them. They've tried mm-hmm. the same thing. It hasn't worked for them. And so it leaves people quite puzzled. Um, however, with the, the research that I know, it's stretching does help for some people. It's kind of like a 50-50 try it if it works and go for it, um, which I think massage balls and um, rolling the water bottles does have some place there. I think it's worth a trial and error. But I do know that a lot of people find a lot of success and the evidence does show that heavy um, loading of the plantar fascia and doing some progressive or finding like a baseline that works for you, um, Mm -hmm. say calf raises or loading up the fascia, and then slowly progressing up to heavier and heavier and heavier loads that you can Mm -hmm. successfully, I guess, negotiate and successfully um, tolerate. That's where I always gravitate towards because we're building up capacity and then we slowly get into running. Did you explore that at all? Or did you find any advice or people reaching out to you saying, Hey, I've tried this progressive loading or I've tried these strength exercises and they've really worked. Did you try that at all? No, what I would do was I, you know, try to get those small wins. A small win to me would be a mile at an easy pace with no pain. Yep. Right. So if I can get to a mile, with it, I would di- immediately do that, but dial it back. Don't try to get greedy and do, go to, for the second mile or amp up the, the pace. Because a lot of it, too, wasn't just the run, running without the pain, but it was, am I going to be able to walk the next day? Is it, or is the pain going to come right back the next morning? Mm-hmm. So a lot of that was trial and error as far as let me, okay, it's been a few weeks. I've had no pain in the morning. Let me go out and, and on a softer surface, do a mile run at an easy pace. And if there's no pain... I'll wait two or three days and I'll, and I'll try to go a mile and a half or two or, or bring the, the, the pace up just a little bit and, and then see what happens. So it really was a slow trek back. Yeah. So it's almost like instead of doing, say, calf raises, holding onto weight um, and progressive loading that way, you've gone from loading, but from a running perspective. So let's just find a really small dosage of loading that you can manage, see if you feel okay the next day. And if you do feel okay the next day, then slowly add on but if you didn't feel okay the next day, take a couple of days off and start even um, like downgrade yourself more to, and then trial and error something else. And it's so tough. I mean, mentally yeah. it's just, it's crushing yeah. um, because you, you know, if you waited three weeks to do that and you do it and the pain's back, it's back to the drawing board. So yeah. I, I do, I get that. I, and I've seen it with other runners and I've, I've talked with other runners where they've experienced it. And, they, and when you're in that, you feel like you're never going to get out of it, but you just have to keep staying positive. And at, at, at that point, it is a, a lot about mental resilience and mental toughness and yeah. being able to fight through it. You're talking to a guy who just had, well, um, I've had midfoot pain for the last probably two months. And I took four weeks, uh, maybe five weeks completely off running because I thought it was a stress fracture. I got scanned. It was all clear. But once I found it was all clear and went back to running, I tried eight lots of running for one minute, walking for one minute. Um, and that flared up my foot a little bit. So I had a couple of days off, went back to running and did six lots of running for one minute, walking for two to three minutes and did it on grass. And that was fine. And so mm. then I just built up from there and that was two weeks ago. And now I'm back to running yesterday. I ran four Ks. So like 25 26 minutes straight without any pain so it's exactly the same process different type of injury but it's the same trial it see how it goes if -hmm. it's not successful um you know you know it's not going to be a huge flare-up because you've only just initially done something very very small um so it might take a couple days to settle but then 
try again, try a little bit less, see how you go, and then just build up from there. And once you start gaining this momentum, you start learning about the body, all of a sudden you've had a week of success. And then that really carries momentum into two weeks success. And I would Mm -hmm. never think that I could go from having, you know, flared up after running for eight minutes to running 4Ks. I did that in two weeks. But right. when you think about it, you've if you've had two days of being pain-free, then you've had four days of being pain-free. And that four days, you're still loading, you're still running. But mm-hmm. four days of being pain-free is four days of recovery. And then it like momentum is really easy from there once you're, if you're patient mm-hmm. and you trust the process, then it can be, yeah. Um, yeah, momentum can be a good thing. So apart from the loading and slowly integrating yourself back, was there any other tips to success? I think you mentioned in your um, your email before that you tried changing your running a little bit as well. Is that right? I did. I did. Um, one of the things that I attribute to not having an issue with with this or not having this crop back up is that I really did change my change my running stride totally. I at the time um, did some you know set a camera up and took. Um, took some different viewpoints, some different angle video shots of me running on a treadmill and then went and elicited some advice from more advanced runners. Um, people who are aware of what, a, what a, what a good stride should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a lot of, of advice and feedback on that. And that's where I realized, you know, I do have a hill strike going on here and that's not conducive to run either running fast or to having long-term injury free running. Um, and that's where I started to really try to train myself to have that midfoot strike. Um, at the time, that really led to some some soreness um, and lower leg, especially in the calves, um, that I'd never had before. So it was like putting, you know, you're, you're putting stress in a different part of your body at that point. But I'd rather have it on my calves than on my heel. Yeah. Um, but long term, you know, and increasing my mileage and doing marathons subsequent to that and doing other distances – um, I have had calf issues from time to time pop up. Um, I've had some chronic tightness in the calves that I've had to work on, um, but I've never had to plantar fasciitis again. Okay, awesome. And so along with that gradual buildup in running mileage and paying attention to symptoms along the way, you also paid attention to um, the heel strike. I do think um, based on the evidence that I know, uh, the heel strike isn't too important, but what is is like how much force you apply through your heel and sometimes Mm -hmm. people apply it like a a big heel striker where their toes are pointed up quite high in the air Mm -hmm. and they strike quite far in front of their body and Mm -hmm. create like a a a breaking force that generates a lot of um trauma through the heel you could say Mm -hmm. uh whereas if someone is doing that i do highly encourage that they try and come towards more of a midfoot or closer to underneath their body when they make their first contact. It doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily matter if it's with the heel or the forefoot. Um, the, as long as it's underneath your body, you're reducing that high impact force on the heel. Um, but I do think there is something to say for changing someone's biomechanics. If they have had an injury for a long period of time, or if they're current, if they're, getting the same injury over and over and over again. Mm. Um, there, there could be some environment where we can foster a change in running technique. And like you said, you started noticing once you went to that midfoot strike, mm-hmm. 
the loads are probably exactly the same, but it's probably distributed to the rest of the body or different parts of the body. Mm -hmm. And so you notice that your calf was working considerably harder, um, but it was taking pressure off your foot. And what I know from evidence, it takes pressure off your knee as well. Um, And so hypothetically, if someone was getting a lot of knee pain or a long history of knee pain, they're doing the same um, modifications. If they are a heel striker in front of their body, actually making some modifications will um, not reduce their risk of injury, but definitely reduce their risk of knee injuries <clears throat> mm-hmm. because we're just distributing the load. Um, so that's a really nice, I guess, um, example of how or when we can change our running and we can change our mechanics to, to suit. It won't reduce your risk of all injuries because technically it inc- slightly increases your risk of Achilles and calf issues. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. as long as you're managing it properly, and as long as you're not just all of a sudden doing midfoot strike and then go and run for an hour, right. because that would right. spike up a, um, an Achilles issue or a calf issue. Um, but you've found tremendous success for that, which is really nice to hear. Yeah. And it wasn't without risk. I mean, everything that I, I had run, I've been running at that point for maybe 10 years. So everything that I had read at that point was it's, it's, it's a risky thing to just change your, go up and change your stride after running mm. for 10 years. Yeah. Um, so it has to be done. Like you said, gradually, be mindful of the pace and speed and, and um, running surface and shoes and everything else. Did you have a, did you try a change of shoes at all or a change in type of shoe? No, I I'm sort of religious to a new balance. Yeah. <laughs> I, cool. you know, um, but one of the things that I've seen is, you know, especially with working in clubs and working with other runners and it's, you know, just being really um, cognizant of where the, you know, trying to have multiple shoes. I'm not always running the same pair. I might have three or four pairs that I'm sort of rotating. So if I'm running every day, I'm never running in the same pair of shoes twice. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually, I, especially now with striking on the midfoot have to have enough. Um, so if I take the shoe and I try to bend it, you know, put your thumbs into it and try to bend it backward, you know, the heel toward the, um, the toe, if it bends too easily, I know I need more, more structure in the middle of the foot or else, and I've, and I've learned that by, you know, buying shoes that don't have any structure there, buying racing flats that just don't have anything down there. Um, um, and then having, having pain and issues with those. So a lot of it's been through trial and error. Like what works best for me? Yeah. And we kind of had a bit of a sneak peek before, but after having that successful return to running, what have you built yourself up to? As far as mileage? Yeah. And I think you said you would, trying the cycling and swimming to be a triathlete did you manage to get there absolutely yeah yeah i've done some, i've done a number of triathlons now um i was signed up um i, I did everything up to the ironman um great after the after plantar fasciitis um, i was signed up again last year which was canceled so we're going to push it till this september so i'm right now i'm swimming and biking and running i have my i have my bike right next to me here fantastic <laughs> um, that's awesome so I think that I do love, cause I do, I dabble in with triathlons as well. And I do think once you're injured, being a triathlete is a really nice um, way to just change up. You can still stay fit. You find different outlets mm-hmm. and you find ways to change training that you can still mm-hmm. stay super fit, but depending on the type of injury you might take out a bike or add just a more run or, um, you know, keep swimming, but do just modifications to your, your run and your ride and, um, there's so many varieties and so many different options that you have available 
Uh, it's just, I guess, knowing the mechanics of the body and how to adjust and what sort of modifications to make, which is um, the tricky bit. But if you have those available to you and you do enjoy the swim, you do enjoy the bike and you do enjoy the run, uh, you have so many things that you can utilize to stay fit and uh, keep the body strong while you're trying to manage an injury. Um, so if someone is a runner, I do totally agree when you're talking about if someone is a runner and they identify themselves as a runner and running's all they know and running is their outlet for, um, you know, de-stressing and um, finding some time away from the family or, you know, just their outlet. It can be really tough as soon as they're injured and they're unable to run. They really struggle mentally. They don't really enjoy any other alternative. They're the ones that really struggle to get back because, they are, they would be prone to returning to running too soon or, you know, returning, doing too much too soon as soon as they're back from injury and then it flares up again and can um, spiral into more of that negative um, headspace. So yeah, I do, if there is a lesson to take away um, that it is important to have some other outlets or some other variety that you do enjoy to um, if you are injured to, you know, we can just manage that or utilize those different options and, I guess as we finish up now, do you have any other final like parting bits of advice or wisdom for those who might currently be suffering from plantar fasciitis or those who have had it several times in the past and they're getting really frustrated? Yeah, I would just say really stick with it. Um, you know, try a little bit of everything. Charting really does help. Even if you're not the type of person who writes everything down, try to figure out if there is a method to the madness, uh, it is one of the most frustrating injuries. I, I mean, I've had lots of r- different running injuries. Um, it is mo- one of the most frustrating just because there isn't a, not a rhyme and reason to it. A lot of times I've found, especially talking with others who have suffered from it. Um, it's not like, Oh, I just need to go buy a new pair of shoes and this will all fix itself. Or I need to take a week off and it'll, it, it'll, it will go away. It's not always the case. Um, uh, but with that said, there are lots of different things that we can do um, to be able to, to run pain-free. Yeah, for sure. I do recommend the tracking, especially if you're trying to understand more about this or you're a bit more frustrated. Uh, If you can't find a rhyme or reason there, it could just be too sensitive and too like acute to actually fit a pattern. I do find that if you have correct management for a couple of weeks, symptoms do settle and start to become a bit more predictable. Um, However, if you are, especially with plantar fasciitis, um, don't necessarily just track your physical activity with um, say running or going to the gym or doing your workouts. You might also need to track how long you've spent on your feet. Like, did you go mm-hmm. shopping? Did you um, like, point. what sort of footwear did you have during the day? Because mm-hmm. even just standing still and having minimal footwear can put a lot of pressure and a lot of compression on the plantar fascia. Mm-hmm. And you might not even be documenting that in your symptoms. So mm-hmm. make sure you're, taking a snapshot of the whole entire day and trying to find a pattern there. Uh, Unless there is um, some other things like, I guess, lack of recovery, poor sleep, increased levels of stress during a day can help or can trigger symptoms as well. So there, I have um, some clients with chronic pain that they can't find a rhyme or reason. Then they're tracking down. They're actually thinking that the days they are stressed, the days they haven't slept well the night before the days they are kind of emotionally triggered, like a bit of, anxiety or thoughts of um, like detrimental thoughts of this condition, that's they're the actual days where symptoms do spark up. So there is some mental component, especially with um, chronic 
uh, pain. So if you can't find a pattern, sometimes those sort of things, having someone, maybe a health professional help explain a lot of those scenarios can definitely start to find a pattern and then we can come up with a management plan from there. But yeah, if it is unpredictable, totally nature, it might just be a little bit too sensitive or a little bit too acute to foster some predictability, but that's a really, really good tip. Um, I do have one more. Hit me. Oh, got it. Um, I would just say, reframe it, reframe it, right? Make it a positive thing. I know it's really hard and it's easy to say and harder to do, but make it a positive thing right? Make it, um, I've, I've never taken a, a break from running. I've been running my whole life. And, and this few weeks might be a good thing for me that I can work on my core strength and core and, and some other pieces of my physical fitness that might help my running. Yeah. We, right? it, so if it you reframe almost, it. It was almost like when we went into lockdown as well, and all these races were canceled and everyone was <clears throat> hit like a negative state, but a lot of people hit a positive state saying, Hey, this is my chance to actually get back to basics, do some strength work, um, you know, work on my form or there, there's some that just find the negative and some that actually just find a positive somewhere. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you found, Oh, let me start working on swimming and cycling. And then before we know it, once I'm back to running, I'm a triathlete. And so that can be a really motivating trigger. Mm-hmm. And you actually have, you're looking forward to doing something else other than running and you're not, if you have that goal, you're not constantly thinking of this injury and you're not constantly like waking up and being like, Oh, my foot's sore again. I'm like, I'm, I can't run today. I don't know when I'm going to run again. And you like that, your mindset just goes straight away to that doom and gloom. The injury's there. Mm-hmm. I can't run. But if you do have those positive mindsets and be like, Hey, I get to work on my lunges, squats. Uh, I get to work on other attributes so that when this plantar fasciitis is better, I'm a better runner because of it. Um, that mm-hmm. can be really empowering, um, really motivating, really liberating. And um, yeah, that's a really good tip. So thanks for that. Absolutely. Any awesome. other, any other parts of wisdom, any other tips before we wrap up? No, if you're out there and you have an injury, just stick with it. You'll, you'll be better before, before long. Yeah. Trust the process. And um, yeah. I'll also say if things aren't working, if you've tried orthotics and you've tried, stretches and you've you've tried like the massage ball and you've done it for several weeks and you're still not seeing improvement week by week, maybe try something else. I know a lot of people have um, committed to say strength work and they said, I've tried strength work. This isn't working. And I say, what have they done? And they've done calf raises, body weight calf raises for six weeks and it just hasn't got better. And I'm saying, well, maybe, maybe we should try something different. Maybe we increase the weights. Maybe we, you know, change things up. But I think Mm -hmm. people find a pattern and it might be, uh, the symptoms might increase, uh, the symptoms might decrease in the short term. They feel a little bit better. So they stick to that, but week mm-hmm. by week, this is not making any difference. So if that's, if you've gone by four to six weeks without any significant change, we, you do need to change up your management. Don't just keep following the same thing and hoping that it will just get better on its own. So fantastic, Mark. That's a, it's a great story. Awesome. A lot of um, lessons. It seems like you've learned a lot throughout this process as well. And a extremely successful outcome being um, the amount of mileage and the races and the success you've had after this injury. So I hope it takes away a lot of positive. Um, I hope a lot of people who have had this in the past or currently dealing with this can take away a lot and at least find it empowering or encouraging that this issue does sort itself out with the correct management. So thanks for coming on and sharing your story. Absolutely, Bertie. Thank you for having me. Thanks once again for listening. To take full advantage of the knowledge you are building, you need to download the Run Smarter app. 
This contains all of my free access podcast episodes, written blogs, and ebooks, along with my paid video courses, all neatly housed into categories for you to easily navigate through and find content you're interested in. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for links to the podcast Facebook group and links to learn more about becoming a podcast patron who contribute five Aussie dollars per month to get Inner Circle VIP access, including an invitation into the exclusive patron Facebook group and a complete back catalogue of patron-only podcast episodes, which you can access within the app. Also on the app, you can even find a link that takes you to my online physio clinic, where I assess and treat runners from all over the world, so I can be on standby if you ever need one-on-one physiotherapy assistance. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter Scholar. And remember, knowledge is power.